Hello and welcome to the Marketing Mind podcast, brought to you by Campaign Magazine and powered by our wonderful host, Something Else. I'm Shona Ghosh, Technology Editor at Campaign, and today I am joined by um, Steve Chester, Director of Data and Industry Programs at the IAB, and Emma Hazlitt, who is Digital Editor of City AM and also the co-host of Unregulated, the City AM podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining me today. Hello. 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 Uh, especially as it's summer holidays and no one, no one's here. So I really appreciate you guys being around and taking the time to come in to talk about ad blocking this month, which yeah. is a fun holiday topic. A great topic. It's all I talk about on holiday. Absolutely. Always. Um, <laughs> there is a sort of tenuous reason why, and that is that it's been about a year since the ad blockalypse, which is Apple uh, announcing about this time last year that it would be allowing um, ad blocking through uh, the mobile browser Safari in iOS 9. So a year on, I just wanted to look at whether it's really been such a big deal. There's obviously been some sort of new news that's come out since then around ad blocking. Um, so my first question is to you, Steve, uh, which is that, you know, around the time last year, lots of pundits, including me, were sort of saying this is going to go mainstream, ad blocking is going to go big. And uh, were we right? Has it, has it gone mainstream? How's that happened? I think it's been climbing for for a number of years. I think that certainly what Apple did last year was it, it certainly highlighted in a very public way that ad blocking uh, was on the rise, clearly with what Apple did, giving the facility to developers to, to create apps to block ads, they're not doing it themselves, um, raised it, I think, in the kind of consciousness um, both in the industry and also in consumers' minds as well. And what we saw was an initial increase um, particularly on mobile, of people downloading ad-blocking apps uh, that first month after the release, so from September to early October. And, and actually the top five of the top five paid-for apps within two weeks, three of them were, of all paid-for apps, three of them were ad-blockers. But very quickly, and actually in the sort of two months afterwards, they dropped down to within to less than the sort of top 100. So they were in the sort of, you know, beyond the top 100. So we saw that initial spike. And at that point... Uh, mobile ad blocking was pretty small. Um, Pagefair, who published an annual report, estimated it to be about 2% of global ad blocking. Uh, that has increased somewhat since then, but we haven't seen that kind of spike that people were anticipating. And it's quite important to delineate, isn't it, between uh, ad blocking on desktop, which, um, you know, sort of was at a much higher level than on mobile. And it seems that Apple kind of, you know, that the announcement it made really brought attention to ad blocking on mobile. So how is there, is one more concerning than the other? Sort of roughly where are we at in terms of who's ad blocking and how many people are ad blocking on desktop versus mobile? Well, there's still the, the, the greater proportion are on desktop. And so the important point to distinguish is that with desktop, Ad blockers, they mostly used, used, utilized the functionality through browser extensions. So you download a piece of software onto your browser. Um, there are many thousands, tens of thousands of different extensions that you put on your browser to um, enhance your experience. So one that I use is for a cycling, one where you just add, add it and you can actually upload your scores um, to a cycling website. There are many different applications and the ad blockers took advantage of that. Now, that has been over the last three to four years in particular as popular browsers have offered those extensions. Um, but what we've seen is just that that inroads into, into into mobile, predominantly through Apple, um, and then there are other facilities uh, where you can download mobile specific ad blockers. But again, that said, stress that spike has sort of dropped off somewhat. And the other important aspect is that that in terms of mobile as well, in general, that about eighty to ninety percent of time, depending on who you speak to, is spent tethered to a Wi-Fi. So when it comes to actually then the impact of it, 
um, the mobile, the percentage actually of impact is is much lower. So it's a fraction of that 10 to 20% of people which are, are on um, uh, mobile networks. So when you talk about mobile network blocking, which we'll do in a moment, the material impact is, is less. When you come to talking about Apple and what they're doing, it's a percentage of a, a more minority because it's much less than desktop. And of that, a small percentage of people then block on mobile. So in short, is it something? It, it's it's been one of those topics that certainly, when talking about media, it's definitely one of the one of the big two or three alongside sort of ad fraud and so on. Is it something that brands and advertisers should be concerned about? To the I know sort of the media, including us, have sort of hyped it somewhat over the last year. But is it something that you think sort of advertisers are? You know, it's not just at the back of their minds. They are sort of making proactive moves to kind of deal with it and, you know, adjust their advertising and spend accordingly. I, I think knowledge varies considerably. So for a, for a, for an audio, for an, an, app, or an advertiser, an agency, it's a loss of audience, whereas for a publisher, it's a loss of revenue. Uh, because simply the ad just isn't delivered. So therefore, the, the, the advertiser and the agency don't get charged. Whereas the publisher, the ad doesn't deliver and therefore it's a loss of revenue. Um so publishers are more advanced generally in terms of their understanding because it has more of a material impact on them. Um, and in terms of actually then uh, what they're doing about it, then, then there are a variety of different means for publishers to take action. We've seen most recently with Facebook as of last week trying to block uh, blockers on their desktop, uh, desktop experience of Facebook. Uh, Facebook within an app is generally impervious to, to ad blocking, it was, but still desktop is about 25% of the revenue, so it still represents a, a big proportion of revenues. Did you see that brilliant thing. register headline? Something like, Facebook blocks ad blockers who are blocking ad block <laughs> who And it just went on for like 15 ad blocks. Who blocks the ad blocker blocker and so on. <laughs> big yes, spoonerism there somewhere, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's definitely been for fun headlines. Actually, we're just talking about publishers. Obviously, we have one sitting in the room with hey. us. Uh, Emma from City M, and obviously you guys were among the first, uh, if not the first publishers to sort first of first in the UK, first in the UK mm -hmm. to um, sort of put up an ad blocker blocker where you sort of actually is that right? Do you sort of force people to switch it off to see content, or do you sort of kindly request? No, we force um, them. You force them. Okay. <laughs> we force them, but politely. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we'll come on to the detail in a second, but just to just to sort of come on to that earlier question. Do you, you know, obviously you've been seeing numbers and you've been seeing your readers' behaviour in terms of uh, whether they'll keep on their ad blockers and leave CityM's website or whether they'll switch them off. In terms of whether ad blocking feels quite mainstream, what what are you seeing? Are you how much of it is really sort of uh, behaviour among your readers? So when we first launched our first trial on Firefox we found that a fifth of people using Firefox on desktop were using ad blockers, which is why we decided... Yeah. It is substantial, yeah. Um, I can't give you any more updated figures. We don't use the ad blocker blocker, it really needs a more elegant name, um, on mobile. So the, the Apple thing hasn't... You know, we, I, I have no m numbers around that. But I, I ran some uh, figures yesterday to try and work out how well it had done and we got we got the figure that six and av over the last three months an average of 65 percent of the users who come to our website with ad blocker turned on and then we demand that they turn it off actually do turn it off which is astonishing really. which is a really high number a surprisingly high number i would say um but i did look at the numbers twice so yeah i mean people seem maybe it's just that city am is really great and they just really want to read it but people seem fairly willing to comply. 
How long has it been since you sort of started running the trials and installing the outblock? How long has it been that readers have known that you're sort of doing this? It was October 2015 that we first ran the first trial with Firefox and then we followed with Chrome and other browsers shortly thereafter. Um, you know, it's it's worked pretty well for us. We it's It's difficult to say whether it has massively impacted the numbers because we are in a period of quite strong growth. So... It's it's hard to see whether it's slowed that growth, but, you know, I haven't seen a massive impact. And in terms of feedback from users, what what's the reception been among your readers? Has it sort of been the majority have gone, OK, fine, as you say, sort of 65% have sort of possibly said, OK, fine, well, I really want to read this article, so I'll, I'll just switch, switch it off because it's really just a matter of, um, as Steve said, sort of disabling the, the extension very briefly, and that's quite easy to do. So people just do that and they access the content. Or are you getting a lot of grumbling through comments and Twitter and so on? I wouldn't say a lot of grumbling. I mean, there's a, there's been, since we first launched it, there's been a steady stream of grumbles. But I think, you know, there's... There's a, a what, very what's the what's the gist of their argument of just like I deserve to see this well, without paying <laughs> basically you know. yes I mean it's very interesting actually I was speaking to someone yesterday um, and she said do you think do you think users just aren't putting two and two together they just don't realise that people someone needs to get paid to produce content and I don't think people are that stupid to be honest I think the main objection of most of them is that they basically don't want to be followed around the internet. So it's the tracking side of advertising. And a few of them have made the point that if we just served banners that included no tracking at all, then they'd be happy to look at them. But, I mean, it's kind of it's how advertising works now, isn't it? I mean, we need Is to it, measure. Steve? Is that how... <laughs> You're the man responding... Not really. But you, you know, you obviously have insight as to whether this, this does have to be the future of advertising. Am I always going to see that John Lewis rug following me around the internet <laughs> and on City AM when I've gone and... This actually did happen to me. I was looking at a sausage dog rug and then it, I just like, no, it's actually quite ugly. And then it followed me for about a month. So It's worse when it's something that you like but you can't afford. Yes, exactly. Like, so like, stop reminding me. Um, do, so do, I know you're sort of working on, and I know the IOB has some sort of new principles where it's mm, sort of encouraging mm. advertisers to to maybe rethink um, kind of the, the you know how good or bad their advertising is. So what's sort of happening there? Are we going to see a drastic improvement in advertising as a result? Yeah, I mean, I mean, ad blocking is is simply very simply is just an accelerator for change. You know, we've over the last twenty one years, then then advertising and online advertising has, has changed materially, not only in terms of its functionality, but in terms of the type of formats we see. So when I kind of first started seventeen years ago, um, pop ups were just on the rise. Pop ups were never designed as an ad format by the creator. It was meant to be a sort of way for you to kind of see messages and to, to be aware of that. It then got quickly adapted and and as we all know, saturated to ad infinitum. Um, now, the IB hasn't backed in the UK pop-ups for 10 years. It's been 10 years since we said don't use pop-ups. Uh, we can't obviously control everybody's use of them. Um, and you see vastly mo most premium publishers that don't use it at all. But obviously, there's a long tail of, of millions of websites that, that do do it. Um, so we've seen that gravitation away from those ads simply because they do not work. They, we know that click-through rate isn't a good proxy for judging performance anymore. Uh, we know that in some cases people clicked on those type of formats because they wanted them to go away, 
not so it wasn't necessarily answered they they wanted to click through on them especially when they had the sneaky hidden x that actually clicked through to the end yeah, and it's sort of hidden at the top of the yeah. screen and you can't access it dark yeah. days exactly so it was sort of it's we've navigated away from that and all our blocking is doing is kind of accelerating the rest of what we have to do in terms of migrating away from some of the practices which um, don't deliver a good consumer experience so what we need to do at the heart of it essentially is improve advertising online advertising um, and that goes to almost the top of the tree and saying actually the better thinking needs to be applied by brands and agencies uh, it's not to be critical of them but essentially we need to be more involved publishers media owners will have a role to play in that and trade bodies too in terms of improving that and simply more money needs to be investing creative well that's always the answer isn't it? <laughs> give us more cash exactly yeah. and it, but it's a very efficient way and we're seeing a lot of people using digital channels as a means to test the communication so it's not expensive but it's just investing enough money and thinking actually that digital is very important. Get the creative right and make sure it's appropriate for the device and the environment and the context. Once you do that, then ad blocking will be addressed as part of that. So ad blocking is a symptom. So if we can address that and everything the IAB is doing and working in coalition with lots of industry partners as well, with ISBAR, the IPA, the Advertising Association, then internationally, is all geared towards getting everybody on the same page to agree on specific principles to improve that experience and then the IB is working on specifically on technical standards which will again working with their trade body partners and others to try and refine to make sure that actually the product itself represents those those high level principles. Are you finding that people are agreeing what those principles should be and what you know good advertising should look like and what sort of uh, formats should be dropped or tweaked are you finding a lot of agreement because you know you've got a lot of big players here you've got the advertisers who have got the budget the publishers who are making the revenue and are like well why should i drop certain slots that make me more money and then you've got the kind of uh you know big big media players um as well who you know kind of have enough clout to perhaps drive the discussion so how are you how are you finding navigating the politics See, um, actually, a huge amount of consensus. I mean, there's no doubt when it comes down to specific formats. Well, not there yet. There's been a lot of industry consensus been hoovered, hoovered up. Lots of consumer tests because that's really important in getting, and I mean, a lot of consumer feedback. Uh, very specific, carefully managed in the sense that we just want to make sure that we present people because it's not just the formats. It's also the it's our other elements. It's the context in which you see the advertising. It's the frequency. It is, um, you know, how big is the ad? Does it take me a long time to download? Is it appropriate for my device? All these considerations lead to whether or not you like that advertising the way it's delivered or not. So it has to be very specific insights to really get to the bottom and presenting people with lots of different options. And we're gathering all of that together with industry partners to then define actually what's a good consumer experience and what's bad. That will then lead to then saying these formats possibly these specific formats are not good we should stop using these and maybe these formats in these environments aren't good so don't necessarily put a a, a sort of very very heavy ads particularly on mobile when somebody has to download that and potentially pay for it as well so really limit the download in terms of speed because you're on the move but also the cost of that whereas on desktop you can afford to be a bit broader most people have got strong internet connections. 80% of the population has got a strong broadband connection. Obviously, in some case, rural cases, that may be debatable about whether it could be improved, but you can be a bit more flexible on that as well. So, yes, huge amount of consensus um, on the principles. And actually, when it comes to the specifics, lots of consensus already, but we're going to have to get to that final detail. But people agree with the principle. They know they know that you know what the principles are they know what a good experience looks like you just have to kind of meet it out and actually lay it out and that's what we're doing at the moment we've had um, a lot of viewability chat recently mm. i was going to say you're not on the commercial team but i wondered not. if if city am are talking about you know there's obviously a 
a problem that your users are effectively telling you about if they're uh, installing ad blockers, which is that we, we don't like ads as they appear on your website. So is there some chat in the team about how that might change or how City Air may rethink its advertising? That's a very big question for someone who doesn't to answer. <laughs> um, we have, I mean, there's there's been reports in the media about City AM's business model and how we're bringing in what um, our chief operating officer calls marketers and essentially giving brands access to our CMS. Um, we've just signed up our first one, which is really exciting, and they've just launched, and one of their stories was the most, or one of the most read stories on the website the other day. So, um, and it's a, you know, for me, it's a really good example of kind of how a native model can work. Um, but, you know, we're a free newspaper, so if we decided to put up a paywall online, that would be really weird. Um, so... It's all about kind of being creative with ad models, really, isn't it? I just wanted to dig in a bit more about the the background to to the ad blocker blocker. So, what is the technology that you guys actually use? Um, you're making a face like you can't remember, so maybe I'll backtrack on that question. <laughs> but uh, do you, do you know what the tech is, or rather, do, you know, explain to me sort of how it works, sort of what do I see when I land on the website, and you know, what what would I do next as a reader? So, the tech is provided by a company whose name I've forgotten, but it begins with R. Resonance. Resonance. Yeah. Yes. Um, and basically, you come onto our website um, with Adblocker installed. You you get the first paragraph of the story, and then you get um, a message saying, "We've noticed you've got Adblocker turned on. If you want to see the rest of the story, please turn it off." Um, and then there's a little link to some instructions if you don't know how. And then the rest of the article is kind of greyed out or blurred out. Um, it's quite a polite little message. We're quite nice about it, but you know, a lot, uh, some people do complain. But do you ever get anyone sort of putting forward the privacy argument? So there's, I know there's some mm. quite high level and slightly complicated debate over whether it's legal, and I wouldn't want to say whether it is or isn't because I actually just don't know, uh, but whether it's legal to sort of track users and understand whether they are using ad blockers because you are tracking a behaviour which you may not have permission to track. So uh, have you had anyone sort of complaining about that, saying, well, I, why do you even know that I'm using an ad blocker? And actually, I don't really like that. And that's possibly not legal. Yes. Okay. Um, Did you get that? <laughs> we've had people write lengthy blogs about it, actually. Okay. But Very quite um, technical, technical users then. Yeah, we're fairly confident that we're not doing anything wrong. We've, we've looked into it. We've spoken to lawyers. At the moment, we're it's fine. Permitted. It's yeah, permitted. Yeah, it's permitted. Until somebody says otherwise... I think it's a really interesting point. I mean, specifically, I think that the, the residents in case question, they make a, they don't actually detect the presence of an ad blocker. Oh, I see. So, okay. so what they do is they they look at all the signals you would have to do to, as a publisher, to to know whether or not they're using somebody's using a mobile device and how to deliver the page. It doesn't ask for any more information, and it if it appears that the ad's not being served, then it kind of estimates and says it looks like you might be using an ad blocker. So in some cases, you get false positives. Yeah, sure, that's what happened that, to me. Yeah. Suddenly, the ad drops for some other reason. Um, so it definitely doesn't do that. So actually, but in most cases, it's got a, got a high degree of accuracy because most people are blocking ads. Um, the legality point's interesting because it's not a case of legality. Um, it's whether or not the ad blocking's in the scope of the privacy directive. Right. And, and it's debatable whether it is or not. I mean, we've, again... Um, looked and spoke, actually taken legal advice on this as well, but also our own 
view on it as well, um, having had detailed knowledge, particularly of our policy team in the UK and Europe, is that it's not within the scope. It's not called out within the scope. So it has to what, be... What's the quibble there? It's that you are tracking a user's behaviour and the fact that they've got an ad blocker. What, what's the sort of niggle? Well, it's whether or not you're installing or taking information from someone's device. Right. Now, the principle is with, with ad blocking is you're not, you're not taking any more information than... You're just actually saying, how is the page being delivered and to what device is it being delivered to? So in that sense, you're not asking for any more information or take, you're certainly not taking information from somebody's device. Um, it comes down to whether or not the essentially code that these ad blocker, ad blocker solutions run, whether or not it needs or requires user permission. And that depends on whether or not it's under the scrutiny of the privacy directive, which says, do you have to ask permission for it? So all sort of links back. So essentially what we'd need to do is have a somebody to um, to raise this case with the EU in terms of the EU, essentially the Commission rather, to, to, to rule on it. But rather it's probably going to either be a change in the privacy directive, that's under review at the moment, where it specifically calls us out, or it would take somebody to taking it to a case of some kind in, 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 a, in a market and testing it from a, from a legal point of view and it's taking it to a, to a court case, which we haven't seen either. But we think, again, it's very, very, very low risk of it being included um, because it's, you're not asking for explicit information about the user or trying to install anything explicit on their device, try and take information from their device. So it's all maybe, 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 but certainly in the, some technology definitively like Resonance as well, it definitely doesn't do any kind of, it doesn't run any script to installing your machine. It doesn't try and say, have you got an ad blocker? It says, this is the way the page appears. We think you might have an ad blocker. So it's definitely does not that in that specific case definitely wouldn't be in the scope of the approved directive. Um, I have a slightly punchy question for the both of you, and I'm happy to answer the question first, which is, do either of you have an ad blocker downloaded at work or at home? I don't, but I found out the other day my dad has. Unbelievable. I, was, I know, right? There's loyalty for you. You need to pressure him. <laughs> yeah. so tell him that. I did, I did. Uh, I'd possibly get you fired, depending on your answer. So <laughs> no, I'm quite willing. I, I, I have, but purely for testing purposes. So I, you need to know how these things work, of course. Um, and we've also engaged on a one-to-one -one basis with different ad blockers as well, including Adblock Plus and with Shine, who are the sort of tech black box technology behind telecoms operators who are considering blocking ads as well. So yes, have you used it and understand how they work? Um, because you also need to understand what it's like from the consumer point of view. You know, we do lots of consumer research. We are getting lots of explicit consumer views to help inform standards in the future as well. But it's important that we understand that as well. And actually then as users as well to actually see from their point of view. For the record, I do not have an ad blocker installed on my work PC, but I do on my home PC, partly for the reasons you've just outlined, which is to just see whether it genuinely sort of speeds up the browser and do all the things they promise and to actually test some of the differences between the different ad blockers. But also because YouTube keeps showing me pregnancy test ads and oh, it's getting quite same annoying. Here. It's very irritating. If you're a woman of a certain age, you always get those same and ads. Nappies. Would quite Yes, and nappies, exactly. So I never, I mean, I do have now great, brand recall for clear blue but i uh, never want to see that ad again so so it, there is a sort of personal irritation level um you mentioned shine which um i wasn't going to bring up but just because you've mentioned so they're obviously uh sort of in the uk partnering with three um and there's there's some connection in terms of the parent companies as well but uh do you, do you see that sort of going going bigger sort of telcos uh you know in three's case sort of signing the partnership and actually trialing sort of ad blocking for its users and potentially slowly rolling that out do you, do you see that becoming a thing where um you know the dumb pipes as it were in this case the telcos sort of 
take a step where they begin blocking ads on behalf of users? Can you see that becoming bigger? Can you see Shine's business model sort of working at a greater scale? It's difficult to kind of predict the future. I know certainly, as you highlighted, Shine and three are under the same group, Hutchison. So Lee Karshing, who actually owns you know, Hutch and Hutchison Holdings, um, owns both companies um, indirectly. Um, three clearly have tested they tested in the middle of june and tested you know with a certain number of users undisclosed um their facility to to screen or block ads i think it's unlikely you're going to see them blocking all ads rather it's going to be some form of yeah i'm on three and i haven't noticed anything but i don't know if they're just not really telling users or how i don't know the process by which they're sort of testing so it's i I think it's to be defined i mean we are in discussions with three um and sort of close discussions under three as well because I think they haven't defined where they're going to go yet. Um, our view clearly um, as the IB is to, is to involve them in the industry coalition of actually looking and making sure that advertising they can meet from a mobile point of view. And the reason that um, the three and other operators are looking at this in particular is because mobile networks we know are under pressure. Under pressure in terms of traffic, if you only you get your 3G connection in London as well, it's very challenging to, to get a connection at the moment because simply because of the volume of people. Yeah. So what they're looking Agent to do is actually... It's the worst place for that. Exactly. You can't get anything. Central London. Yeah, so many people, particularly when you're seeing, you know, August, a lot of, you know, a lot of colleagues, a lot of people are on holiday, but you get a lot of tourists as well, all using the, you know, all using the masks. So there's a requirement for them to try and... The infrastructure is very expensive, um, but there's only a certain limit in terms of spectrum that they can they can buy. They tried to obviously there would be another round of, of of buying spectrum to try and invest in potentially then five G as well. But spectrum is limited, and hence all the networks are under pressure. So this is potentially a way to alleviate some of the pressure on the network. So there is an incentive there, not necessarily in terms of additional, but to kind of save and preserve um, what they believe to be consumer good good consumer experience in terms of using your mobile in general. But we stress and urge have been urging them to work with us in coalition so we understand those needs and find a way that we can deliver good advertising on mobile with implicit understanding as opposed to then trying to screen ads or trying to block ads at a network level. And actually, we believe that there is um, we've been working with regulators as well in that space because we think that actually just screening ads um, are treated in the same way as content. And actually, if you then just screen which I don't believe is really going to take without consumer permission and in a way that consumers don't really fully understand the impact that actually that then could breach net neutrality. Yeah, it's an well. actual net neutrality issue. But we are in discussions directly, you know, directly through an ongoing basis as well. So it's a good open dialogue and we hope to kind of influence and work um, going forward and try and influence. Um, but at the same point, we are having to then work with regulators and government just to essentially get us a scope of where things could go um, and making provision accordingly. Do you think uh, three are a bit nervous about the net neutrality argument or are they sort of coming back sort of quite strongly? Um, I think there's confidence in their approach. And I think actually that what you'll start to see um, certainly shine is, 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 is changing and you're already seeing it's changing its proposition, you know, to be away from uh, what's perceived just to be a kind of fraud orientated because that's where it came from, malware, malware fraud um, and just screening and blocking ads to offering a, a broader service as yet unspecified, but a broader service than that to advertisers and to agencies and to publishers, a broader service offering to be defined, as I said, um, and try and move more in partnership. But we're stressing actually when it comes to defining actually what should be screened and shouldn't be screened and how they, and giving the consumers control, because that's important as well, and giving them the right information. So to your point earlier on, to, to make sure that they actually understand when they come to City AM, they understand that if they block ads, what the 
what the impact of that is and actually then given given certain amount of choice so we want that to extend onto mobile and to be appropriate for mobile networks as well emma you mentioned that you guys are not doing a, a mobile ad blocker blocker which you're right we, we need to find somewhere in this podcast a new name for that but uh, given that the conversation we've just had about sort of three and sort of moves by mobile companies to kind of uh ad block by default potentially could you you know has that sort of provoke some discussion among you guys is it something you're thinking about or is it very much let's see how this goes it's very difficult for me to say because I'm not in a position where I, I make the decisions about this stuff um and as I say because we're testing out new models at the moment it's probably kind of on the back burner um our the amount of traffic we get from mobile is comparatively quite low compared to desktop and that is because a lot of city people perhaps city am open on their desktop at work all day and they're in quite early and they're in quite early yes so um at the moment it's not under discussion but because we are kind of evolving quite fast and growing quite fast it could happen you know it's it's not something that we've ruled out again stress again that with mobile networks um generally depending on who you speak to 70 to 90 percent of time is spent tethered to a wi-fi so therefore, the doesn't have any material impact because you're tethered to a Wi-Fi like your home ISP, and therefore, the ads can't be screened by by you know if you know the the, the three or other people you shine to, to to screen or block ads. So, a fraction of those people you know on the network would use any potentially use a form of blocking, and that would be a, a percentage of between ten and thirty percent. Yeah, so, so it's very it, small. So it's small. So when you're rolling the numbers as a publisher, although desktop more and more people are using generally maybe not a city am are migrating to, to mobile you know over 50 percent of of most publishers traffic now on mobile as well the desktop still represents the greatest chunk in terms of the impact at the moment i just briefly wanted to talk about um facebook uh whose announcement around ad blocking has sort of brought the subject uh back to the headlines again and this is facebook saying uh we will circumvent ad blockers um by sort of making some adjustments to the way ads are ads are served and sort of shown to people uh, and subsequently, I've read some some sort of posts from ad blockers and researchers saying, actually, we've managed to circumvent your circumvention because we can, you know, Facebook has to sort of flag when it's showing an ad by sort of using a phrase like sponsored content or sponsored or ads or so on. And these can be picked up by ad blockers and actually sort of screen out the ad anyway. And uh, in one case, I think a Princeton pair of researchers um, sort of effectively managed to sort of block out the ads and then just replace them with the text. This is an ad. Um, and Facebook generally has sort of uh, come out fighting and said we will continue to try and circumvent ad blockers no matter what they do. So it's quite an interesting battle and it's quite interesting that Facebook um, have come out so strongly. So where does this sort of go next in this continuing battle? Emma? I, I was very excited that where City AM led, Facebook followed. It's great. For the first time ever, <laughs> technologically speaking. Um, Facebook hasn't done a lot recently to help publishers in a big way so it's kind of nice that they're you know if if we want to promote a, a post then at least that'll get to the top of the news feeds we hope um i do think that it's going to be a bit of a game of cat and mouse so i think you know I, i've read similar posts and where people have found a way to block that ad blocker blocker facebook's found a way to block that and you we could know. just go in an infinite loop of oh, blocking. We could. We really need to find a verb for this. But um, so, yeah, I just think, I, I think to a certain extent it is going to be a bit of a game of cat and mouse. And, you know, it may ultimately mean that maybe advertising isn't necessarily the best way of getting revenue. But for 
for publishers, certainly, it's, it's the best way now. Ultimately, it might be, I think, quite bad for the user if this sort of constant mm. battle is brewing between um, sort of, you know, ad blockers and those kind of technologies. And then these proprietary walled gardens such as Facebook, who actually are like, well, we're going to lock down even further to make sure these blockers sort of can't sort of screen out our ads and actually things becoming more closed is depending on your tech political leaning may be quite bad so steve do you, do you see this as perhaps sort of steve do you see this as perhaps being sort of quite bad ultimately for the future of the web and the user i don't think it's a bad thing i think if it if it's just done in isolation without you know facebook changing anything at all then then it may be perceived to be more challenging you know, when it comes to consumers and consumers viewing about why but what facebook have done is they've given consumers control um, not complete control, so I don't want to see any advertising, but in terms of the type of advertising, so you were talking earlier about being retargeted by clear blue, uh, that you could actually, this actually gives you a facility to say, actually, I don't want to be retargeted based on my web activity. So what it will lead to, and there are, there are about four, the four different functionalities in terms of actually being retargeted based on social posts, the content of that, you can control and say yes or no. So what it, you still have to be served advertising, but you could actually have completely irrelevant advertising that knows very little, again, very little about your kind of behaviours. because uh, So that gives the consumer a level of control and actually gets around. You know, some consumers, actually, from our research and from many other pieces of research, say, I like advertising if it's targeted, if it's relevant. Whereas some say, actually, I don't want any form of retargeting at all. I don't like it. So it gives them that control. But Facebook are then asking for a quid pro quo and saying, actually, you know, we want that, you know, by giving you this control... We still want to serve you ads. I think that that kind of cast and mouse has been experienced with with other publishers who've trialled that as well um, in the past years. Um, and what ad blockers have done sometimes, because if the publisher is almost obscured to the ad blocker, not to the consumer, so they can see the difference between advertising and what's content, but by obscuring the ability for ad blockers to do that, they've ad blockers then retaliated and blocked um, code on the website. And what that's led to is disabling of functionality on websites. So one notable blocker which just came out of china if you install it you won't be able to check in on british airways and he had lots of people saying why can't i complain to british airways and why can't i check in because you've got an ad blocker and actually it's then affecting your functionality so actually they can be quite damaging the ad blockers you know the consumer downloads it thinking i'm just blocking ads but actually no it goes further and what we saw with facebook last week in particular was facebook posted this announcement on tuesday saying we're now blocking the ability for people to block ads uh, essentially, by giving them, by giving them control on the Tuesday, by Thursday morning, Adblock Plus has said we've found a workaround, and yet hours later, Facebook then said no, actually, we've closed that as well. So you've seen that you've seen that kind of cat and mouse, but I think it's important that again, important the consumer understands and understands. Yes, they can use an ad blocker, but they understand the terms of use of websites. But actually, Facebook are definitely pushing in the right direction, which is. Improving, always trying to improve the consumer experience and deliver ads which are re re relevant and don't interrupt because that's the key thing. If you interrupt people's experience, that's the biggest reason why they block ads by far, but actually giving them further control. And by doing that, you're addressing the consumer experience and getting to the top of the chain, the reason, as opposed to just saying, have an ad. So perhaps demystifying the process slightly of like, you know, in our case, sort of not understanding. Well, we sort of understand why Clear Blue are probably serving us as we are <laughs> women of a certain age, but sort of not really understanding how it happens again and again and why. So. It's all gone a bit Benny Hill, hasn't it? People chasing people around Bushy Park. Yes, exactly. Um, 
it's okay so it's it's just not it, it's quite complicated and looks like it might remain so for some uh for some while so um happily for the pundits like me and blocking will still be in the headlines over the next year um i'm going to wrap up there so thank you so much for for joining me today very very interesting discussion and hopefully a good um back to school episode for people coming back from their summer holidays you have been listening to The Marketing Mind. I'm Shona Ghosh, and a special thank you to our producer, Nan Davies, and to our hosts, something else, and to our guests, who are Steve Chester and Emma Hazlitt. And you can listen to Emma's podcast, which is Unregulated, the City AM podcast. And where can you find it, Emma? You can find it on Audioboom, iTunes, or the City AM website. Excellent. And you can join in our conversation as well on Twitter by tweeting at Marketing UK or Campaign Live. Um, and of course, you can always find us on the website. You have been listening to The Marketing Minds. Thank you.